Listen in the dojo and dynamite. Dynamite, put your hand in, ring is out of sight. All elite TNT, make it feel right. Put your hand all elite, time to unite. One's name Rich, the other Ashley. The number one pod for the whole family. Time to fill your wrestling appetite. Now it's time to start dojo and dynamite. Hey guys, this is Ashley and Rich here with episode 71 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Sunday, March 28th, and this is take two of this week's episode recording. Yeah, it's difficult. Oh, technology is great when it works, my friends. It's very difficult. You know, uh, we record the podcast, we set a schedule up for the weekend, we have events, plans, I guess. You have to schedule amount of time to do it. I mean, it takes us, you know, a good hour to record it or so, a good hour to edit it. I have to kind of, you know, if not longer, so I have to kind of, like, sanction out some time. And, you know, we had the whole weekend planned. We had all these other events to do, a lot of projects and work. And that's terrible. So I apologize in advance if if we are lacking a bit of enthusiasm. We're going to try to put that aside. Yeah, but we'll, we'll try to just get straight to the the matches. We'll talk about it. No, probably not as much extracurricular this week because uh, we had a nice podcast on Thursday and now, you know, I I got to remember it and make sure that we're, we're, we're still on top of it. But, I mean, it's just terrible. I, you know, we recorded the whole thing. It went through the, pro- like the, the processing part. and just wouldn't process, so I couldn't get it. It was just in raw, and I couldn't get it uploaded to the Anchor app or processed through the, you know, it just... But we try again. Such is life. It is what it is. We're going to go ahead and dive in. But we'll keep it short, like you said, because we've got another episode coming this week. With the next the next dynamite, so we'll just go ahead and dive right in. Dynamite opened up with singles action. This was an AEW World Title Eliminator match. Matt Seidel versus Kenny no Omega. What is a World Title Eliminator? Uh, are they having a tournament? Did I miss this? No. If Matt Seidel were to win, he would get a future championship shot. Ah. Okay. So I, I was. I mean, it makes sense. I believe that they are doing an angle. I think they talked about who who's facing Mike Seidel on Elevation. They talked about that also. Thought that tied into this. Nakazawa? No, Nakazawa. Fan participation. There's there oh was a tie-in. I it's it's Sunday. That's what happened. But there's a tie-in that uh, Mike Seidel is wrestling on Elevation. I believe tomorrow. So we'll be able to check that out. So everybody check out AEW Elevation. I believe it's 7 p.m. Uh, I guess it's across the board, but it's on YouTube. You can watch it at any time, and then dark. Christian. Tuesday. Christian. It was Christian. Christian will be on Elevation. No, he's facing Kaz. His first action is Kaz. Somebody's facing Mike Seidel, and I thought this was playing a role. So maybe, oh, maybe, yes, it's Kaz versus Mike Seidel, and Christian can come and check it out. So it has nothing to do with Kenny Omega, but it does have to do with the world title, because we don't know what's happening with Christian and Kenny. But I apologize, we're a little all over the board here, but... Nonetheless, I like Matt Seidel. There was a funny line that JR and Tony Schiavone had that really made me laugh, and I want to make sure that I remembered it again for this second recording. The, the commentary of the was absolutely hilarious this week. Tony Schiavone said that Matt Seidel was oh, a oh, young up and comer. No, Don Callis. Don Callis. Somebody said it, and Jim Ross said, "Well, he's older than Kenny Omega." 
I was I was dying at that. I thought that was so funny. But I understood. He is an up-and-coming. You know, he's a guy who's an underdog, right? His, his story is of development. He's always been held back. He's always been held down. He's never gotten the same opportunities. This was a huge sell. You had to sell this match. You sell that Matt Seidel has an opportunity now as the the uh, endearing underdog to overcome the odds of the Bullet Club, defeat Kenny Omega, and have a chance to be world champion. Oh, it was, it was a good story, and it was a great match. I mean, these... I've said before, I, yeah. Matt Seidel brings a lot. People think, oh, I don't care about Matt Seidel. I, I, I do. I think he brings a lot I, to the table absolutely. here. Absolutely. He's I, fantastic. I He's wrestling Kenny Omega, so, I mean, what do you expect? So, it, it gives an opportunity for other guys like Matt Seidel we've talked about. Matt Seidel needs some wins, though. He just needs some wins. I mean, because we talk about the ranking system, and obviously we like Matt Seidel. Everybody shits on Joey Janelle all the time, but... Matt Seidel needs some wins here. I don't know if he's getting wins on Dark. I know that our resident Dark watchers will let us know. Again, we have still are so behind. We're so packed with work and additional stuff every week. So it's difficult to catch up on Dark. There's like 14, 15 matches to watch. So I have to pay better attention. I should read the results. I should get on to the results and make sure that I can pay attention to that. So... We'll make sure we do that better going forward, at the very least knowing what happens on the Dark Show. But with Matt Seidel obviously getting opportunity on television, I hope the next hour gives him a chance to win some matches. Because Seidel kind of tagged him with his brother. I like that. I like that. But with Seidel, I would like to see him do something maybe in a group. You know, Matt Matt Hardy's kind of been hiring everybody left and right. Maybe you do something with him in a group. Maybe you add him as a piece. But I guess with the tag team with his brother, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I thought that Kenny Omega and Matt Seidel had great chemistry together. No, absolutely. This was a match that Tony Khan had set up on Elevation. Yeah, it was solid B. I mean, I, 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 I never believed that Matt Seidel would win to have a title match. But I mean, at this point, Kenny Omega is not losing many matches. So I don't, I don't think anybody who encounters Kenny Omega is going to get a victory. I think that maybe they should do it though. You know, give somebody a win over Kenny Omega, kind of put somebody over here where it's a shock to Omega. It's a shock to Callus. It's a shock to the system, as the Undisputed Era would say, right? But it kind of shocks the whole the whole grouping. Maybe that can kind of, you know, plant some seeds for what potentially could come in the future, how they handle what could be a loss with their egos, how they handle it. But then again, it throws the rankings to the wayside. They're gone already. We're not acknowledging here. Are we done? Yeah. We just, anything goes. Yeah. All right, that's fine. It's fine with me. Next up, we had uh, more singles action. Hangman Adam Page versus Cesar Bonani. Cesar Bonani. I, I, you know, Cesar Bonani is so green, and he's getting a lot of television time recently. I don't I don't know if he's a trainee of QT Marshall. I don't, I don't know where he came from. I don't know who he's affiliated with, so if anybody knows uh, if he was working for Indy Feds somewhere, I, does anybody know where he was, if he worked anywhere prior? Because I've said it before, he's very green. He is very green. I mean, sometimes he looks like he's never worked a match before. So, I mean, there are times where Bonani, I uh, saw the thing with Luchasaurus and him on Dark. Oh, my goodness. But Hangman gets a squash match, which everything today... Well, not today, but everything last Wednesday kind of felt like a squash, to be honest. It was kind of, you know, you had uh, the only thing that really had a lot of veracity to it was besides Darby Allen and John Silver, which we'll get to later in the evening. You had the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler, you had the Lucha Brothers, and you had 
Laredo Kid who made his return. So you have those two matches that meant a lot, but you know, you had Hangman Page versus Caesar Banani. You never believed that Matt Seidel was really going to win. Uh, you know, it's that's that type of stuff that's still happening consistently on their programming. So I mean, Hangman Page gets the victory here. What are we tying up with Hangman? Are we, are we building him for what could be a future run at the AEW World Title? I mean, obviously Hangman needs direction, and we love this stuff with the Dark Order. But what does Hangman do next? You kind of had the Matt Hardy situation. You're getting his pay. You want to continue that? That's your discretion. You want to tag him? I get it. I mean, the long-term arc is him redeeming his loss at AEW All Out 2019. As the world champion. Yeah. I, I see. I mean, he has to redeem his match against Kenny Omega in the breakup. So, I mean, you're going to go a full year of Omega champion until full, full year 2019? Like, you know, if... I'm sorry, 2019. <laughs> Uh, this is our brain this weekend. We're vegetables. I meant, are you going to go full full year with Kenny Omega being world champion for Adam Page at full gear 2021? That's a big question. Yeah. Some people seem to really want that. Does everybody want that? Does anybody want Kenny Omega being world champion all the way until f- November of 2021? Does spontaneity? Spontaneity? Spontaneity. Yeah, that, that word. Does that not play a role here or, or what the audience would like to see change? Again, there, there's kind of a line, right? Hangman Page has to get the belt at some point. MJF has to get the belt at some point. You kind of feel like you have to get these guys the championship. But it doesn't mean the title has to be held for 300 days plus. We talk about this every yeah, day. Yeah, I was just, just going to say, I feel like the Hangman win over Kenny for the championship is just you know, icing on the cake. It's the right but decision. But Kenny could lose and get it back to then bring us to that point. Like, it if, have if to, we're it extending have to it to go full all gear, November. that too. You could go to All Out. You could build Hangman throughout the summer. Could be a good summer run for Hangman. Get Hangman all the way through the summer, get to Labor Day, and, de- and, and defeat Kenny full Omega. Gear from, full gear, Jesus. Full pun, circle. Pun intended. From his first title loss. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's a long run that Kenny Omega is going to get. He's obviously had the belt for 112 days already. Doesn't feel like that, but he's had the belt for 112 days I already. I know, they, they said that um, on commentary, and I couldn't believe the, the time that's happened. And like, he's got the big Rich by. Swan match in about a month. Impact World Championship yeah, at the Rebellion. Of, end of April. Yeah. So, I mean, Kenny Omega's got a lot on his plate here. At some point, I believe that the ego's going to have to... But, again... I, I've said this before. I'm not a, I was a huge proponent of Kenny Omega getting the world title. I was. I'm just not a huge fan of this iteration of the Bullet Club. It's kind of diluting what I thought Kenny was going to have. I'm just not the biggest fan of Don Callis. I think he plays his role fine. I, I, maybe it doesn't need the title. Maybe it didn't need the belt. Because it kind of feels like we're diluting the championship since it's being essentially cross-branded on Impact that a lot of what's happening on Dynamite doesn't matter regarding the AEW world title. It's like, thing, it's like, you know how that old, you know, like the show must go on mantra? Like Kenny's out doing it with the world title and the show must go on. I'm not saying it feels like Brock Lesnar because it doesn't. It's not the same booking, obviously. Kenny Omega's a workhorse. He's working Impact. He's working every well, week no, on Dynamite. Is, this is like a, a bigger story where he's 
on track to collect multiple belts and reign supreme over all of these companies. Like, this is inter-promotional storytelling And for here. some reason, I don't care. Yeah. And that might just... I, I just don't care. I care more about Kingston and Moxley. Their promo was fantastic. I want to see them... I, I, I tweeted, I want to see FTR and the Pinnacle against Moxley and Kingston. It makes sense. It's I'd the perfect 100% pairing. Be behind you have that. you have these anti-heroes that everybody loves, anti-establishment, you know, knuckles dragging dirt kind of guys who get in your face and fight. And then you have these individuals who to coin MJF think that they are or know they are better than you in FTR and the Pinnacle. It's it's a it's the perfect matchup. You got these heels who, you know, I guess you could say they have money, they, they're they wealthy. They they're, have everything. They have everything. They're the best wrestlers in the whole wide world. And then you have Moxley and Kingston who look like two guys that'll beat the shit out of you in the street. And they cut fantastic promos and they're the anti-heroes that we all love. And it's the perfect pairing. It's such a great feud. It'd be such a great tag team feud. I'm well more interested in that. Well, I wonder for us if we're lacking a bit of enthusiasm because we don't follow the other promotions as closely. We've watched some of the impact since AEW and... Um, Rich Swan is infinitely talented. He is. I mean, Rich Swan is infinitely talented. I mean, we wish to watch... How much PWG do we watch? I mean, he, he these guys, all those guys that used to wrestle over there, they're infinitely talented. I just, for some reason, don't feel the allure... Of Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan, I don't really feel the allure of watching Impact. I guess I watched Impact for so many years. I watched TNA for so many years that it fell off the face of the earth, essentially. And they've come back. And I've said it how many times I didn't care about them, whatever. You know, I'm just a bullshitter. And I think that they do really, really nice backstage segments. I think they have a lot of really good young talent. I think they're trying really, really hard to put a product out there that engages the audience. They've done a terrific job of diversification over the years. I mean, it Impact just, Wrestling has done a really, really nice job. No, you've we've had conversations, and, and you praise them all the time. It's just, it's not, like, resonating with you. I shit in them on the podcast because it's AEW versus Impact. If we're doing an invasion, I pick my line. But I, for some reason, I just, I'm not into what Kenny Omega's doing over there. I, I feel like it... I'm not a big fan of invasion angles. I feel like it dilutes what happens on the programming itself. So, so far, obviously, you've had the Kenta kind of come over. I like that. We haven't had much more. I really like what they did there. The Kenta no, was great, that but was, it hasn't been overexposed. It's that been was great. really awesome. This Bullet Club saga, whatever's happening here, I mean, you go back and listen, I was thrilled at the beginning. It's lost my attention a bit because I don't know where we're going. Kenny and the Good Brothers versus the Bucks and a returning hangman? There's just something that I just don't like about it. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I've said this for a couple of weeks. I, I just, there's something about this I don't really, I'm not saying I don't like it. That's not the right, that's not the right verbiage. What I can't put my finger on is why it's not engaging or exciting. Yeah, they're, they're losing, they're losing us a bit. I, I just, I just, it's just happening kind of in the background. It kind of feels irrelevant. I don't really care to see it. If you didn't put Don Callis and Kenny Omega on the program each week, I probably wouldn't think about them. 
So I don't, I don't know why. I don't know what it is about that. There's some things or some people that do that. You know, I'm very interested in seeing how Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Proud and Powerful come back and rebuttal against the Pinnacle. See if that happens at some point. I'm excited to see Christian Cage wrestle. I'm excited to see Miro break away from Kip Sabian and kind of do his own thing. I'm excited to see what Darby has to do next. I want to see Moxley and Kingston getting some actual tag team action. And I would love to see them face FTR like I said. Let's see what Lance Archer is going to do. Why is Team Taz kind of disintegrating? But it looked like Brian Cage is back on the same page with Taz. You have Ethan Page we didn't really hear from this week. So, I mean, there's so much happening that I'm into that Kenny Omega just kind of falls to the wayside because it's it's like, you know, it's not a top priority within this company right now. The AEW World Championship, I'm saying. But I guess to each their own because... Many of the things that we may have named or I may have named, other people don't care about or other people don't feel as connected to. So it's just possible that there's such a variety, which is terrific, yeah, I don't that think it just kind of gives you this, this option or an avenue where you're not all fed directly right to the main event, which is what happens on some other companies, where everything else is irrelevant and the main event's the only thing that matters. So when the main event doesn't matter, nothing matters. But I think you just you said it nicely right there. It's not that no one cares. It's just that there's a lack of connection in certain things. And... We got to try to, I don't know, rein it all together. I guess. But we'll see what Hangman Page wants to do here because we've gotten out of the Matt Hardy. Obviously, you still got some dark order here, but John Silver's going to be on the shelf maybe for a couple of weeks. And we, we don't know what's going on here. So we'll see. I like the Matt Hardy stuff, though. I like, I like Matt Hardy's team, I like his group. So. But you talked briefly about uh, seeing Christian in action. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Christian versus Kaz next week. Yeah, that's a big deal. I had said to you, TNA is canon. TNA is canon. Christian Cage versus Kaz. Frankie Kazarian. This is fantastic. Cranky Frankie, as he was called, right? This was great. I I am looking forward to watching these two guys go at it. They have familiarity with each other. It's the right opponent for Christian to get back in the ring with. Somebody he knows. Somebody I'm sure he's close to. Somebody he's had great matches with. So I I think this is the right move. Two stars. You love Kaz singles. I don't want to see SCU break up, so... This is for all of us. This this is what we want to see. I'm sure Um, in main events. Maybe it'll open. Get a little excitement. Might open. But we will see. We've got Kenny and the Good Brothers versus the Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid. MJF is giving a gift to the Pinnacle. Yeah, maybe, maybe it will open. I think that'd be a hot way to start the show. But moving right along, one of the high points of this week's episode was that bomb-ass Dr. Britt Baker promo. So they had to navigate a way. Strategically, they had to navigate a way to keep her as a heel. Of course. Because, of course, the amount of support was that she was going to be transitioning naturally now to a face and have fan support. So one of the things that I really appreciate about AEW fans, and I think that all wrestling promoters, all bookers, all, you know, all, all company people really appreciate is when the fans are not being disrespected. And they can see that, hey, you know, we want to keep Britt as a heel for this. We want to keep her as a heel. This We know that this is what she's doing really, really well. She's been the best heel in the business. We want to keep her here. So the fans, because you haven't disrespected them, acknowledge it. They say, all right, you know what, we're going to boo her. We're going to play, yeah. play a role. We're going to feed it. We're going to boo her. We're going to give her exactly what she'd like. And that really just feeds and drives home the fact that this promo was fantastic. It, it, it I'm, I'm really happy that the audience is feeding into what they're doing out of respect for what Britt Baker accomplished. Yeah, no, she 
Tony Schiavone introduced the interview and she was met with a sea of booze because she's a bad girl. I mean, this this was this was fantastic from from top to bottom. Uh, she's just continuing to cement her legacy and her place at the top of the women's division here. Yeah, but they, we see that they want to keep it that way. So maybe it'll be Hikaru Shida versus her. I, I don't know. We'll see where we want to go. But obviously she has to have some baby faces to go up against. So we'll see the direction they would like to go because Thunder Rosa, NWA's back. Obviously, Thunder Rosa's here full-time. Thunder Rosa's been terrific. She's been arguably the best. In ring, she's been arguably the best. But we'll see what they want to do. Obviously, NWA needs her back. We'll see what they're going to do going forward with this because obviously Britt Baker's still poised for a big run, but she didn't win that match. No, Thunder she Rosa. did not. And, and Tay Conti is climbing the ranks of... Um the division as well. She'll be in action next week with Hikaru Shida, tag team action. And we'll talk about her match in just a little bit. But after the Dr. Britt promo, we had six-man tag team action, the Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin versus the Pinnacle, featuring Sean Spears and FTR. And this was a match made for you. Yeah, the, the six-man FTR, Sean Spears, is what I've waited for for a long time. And it's the right fit. Again, they need that trios title like nobody's business right now. But I thought this match was good. Obviously, you have Varsity Blondes. They're not going to win the match. It's fine. But you have FTR go over, cut a big scathing promo at the finish. Talk about how they're the best in the business. This is the business that they fight for. This is the business that they lay everything on the line for. And I think that, you know, Cash Wheeler said basically that he lives for nothing but this. And I think that that makes sense. That's what the Pinnacle is driving for. They're killing the promos. They're killing the suit game. It, Big it's, Money it is literally a Four again. Horsemen revival, kind of like the WCW one. You know, a night you have this whole thing. It's kind of similar promos to them. It fits great. I'm not going to fucking complain. Are you kidding me? That thing's fantastic. No, this, like I said last week, we and, are here for the And then they the changed pinnacle. the theme song. They did. Which was great. Yeah, I mean, they listened out. to the podcast. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate <laughs> it. Anything else MJF's that you guys appreciate from us. I, it, it was great. It was great. It was great. Uh I mean, the match itself was just a solid C. I mean, it was what it was. Like, the Hangman match was a C. But I, I really enjoyed the whole aspect of the Pinnacle. I'm here for the Pinnacle. Pinnacle's big, big No, no the storytelling here is very engaging. And like you said, I mean, what's going to happen with the Inner Circle? Because I'm here for the Inner Circle when they're the Inner Circle. When they're comedy Inner Circle, I'm not there. But Inner Circle, I'm here for. I mean, but this Pinnacle, I'm here for. I just, I need, like, a good shirt, guys. I need, we need a better, we need something here. We need a good shirt. That Inner Circle shirt sold like, like hotcakes. We need a good design, guys. disappointed in, in the initial design. But listen, we, we love merch. I want more Pinnacle shirts. We want jackets. We want it all. But like I said, after this promo was over, that's where I really felt Moxley and Kingston versus FTR is the way to go. Money. No complaints. But moving right along, we had more six-man tag team action. The Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler versus Lucha Bros with Laredo Kid. And to be expected, I mean, this was this was fun. This was so great. So I thought that outside of Darby Allen, which I thought that match was very good, this match was great. I thought this match was an A-, was an A. I thought this match was good. Brandon Cutler brings so much more to the table. And I, I, I don't mean it in disrespect because I am sure... That, like we said, Peter Avalon, we don't know what he brings behind the scenes. Kind of like QT Marshall, how much QT Marshall does behind the scenes. And we'll talk about QT and Cody's promo after this is over. I don't know where it fell. 
I kind of forgot, but we'll talk about it. But Brandon Cutler brings so much more to the table that it's almost shocking that with the guys that they use on television, he's not used. The Spanish fly that he took at the end of the match, the way that he sold for that flat back bump with the Rado kid, that was great. Brandon Cutler is, he has so much more connectivity to what goes on because obviously he's connected to the Young Bucks. He's got that story. They have that, they have that, right? And obviously the Young Bucks are no longer connected with the elite. They're no longer connected to Kenny Omega. So they have to kind of hold their friends close. And Brandon Cutler kind of... Maybe Hangman Page, we saw some hints, but Brandon Cutler kind of is the only guy left. Do you think you feel more connected to Brandon due to your investment into being the elite? Where you've been able to see their no, story I, I progress think, behind the scenes? I think he's a very talented wrestler. No, no, no I'm not. I agree. That's why I'm. That's what it is. I, I don't think that... Peter Avalon brings anything to the table that nobody else does. I don't think Peter Avalon brings as much to the table as Brandon Cutler does. I don't. I don't think that Dr. Luther brings as much to the table. I think Dr. Luther is a unique character. I, I use those two specifically because those are two guys who I don't think should be on television on a regular basis. Because they're not quite just young enhancement development talent. Not like Cesar Bonani, who was just kind of an enhancement talent, going to job out to Hangman. These are not enhancement talents. These are two talents that I would consider, I guess in classification, jobbers. What they do behind the scenes, again, could be irreplaceable. Could be invaluable. And I, I'm sure they're great human beings. What they provide to the television program is just a non-factor. It's a non-asset. Just a body in a match. They're just a body in a match. And they could be used on dark and elevation because I think that they could help some of the enhancement talent get wins over established veterans. But to me, it's like watching the individuals in New Japan. And for the longest time, it's like watching Honma. And you're kind of like, why is he on or in these matches for the sole purpose of just literally eating losses? Doesn't bring anything to the table. Except a headbutt. So it, it's sort of the same feeling of, of they, he does he brings nothing to the table. Peter Avalon brings nothing to the table. And he comes with a job or gimmick that's been kind of treated that way. And Dr. Luther comes in. Serpentico is fantastically talented. So I mean, I, I again, I like their pairing as a tag team. I really do. And I think that on Elevation, helping out some of the other tag teams, I think they're going to be good. Yeah, so Chaos I, again, Project's been pretty I, Again, neat, yeah. yeah. But television time over a lot of the other guys, especially younger talent that also need some television time, I'm calling them younger, but, but you know, less veteran talent for television purposes, guys who will be there for the next 10 years. I don't know if Chaos Project needs to get that TV time. But Brandon Cutler, he's earned it. And I know this is a Brandon Cutler rant now, but he's earned it. I mean, I mean Brandon Cutler, he's in fantastic shape. He's been in incredible shape since he got here. He delivers above and beyond in the ring than what the others in, in his role or his comparison do. I, I think Brandon Cutler needs to be more involved. His gear always looks amazing. Like, he just, he looks the part when he comes out there. He does, absolutely. And I, I just, I think that he needs to get more of a role. But maybe he doesn't want it. Maybe he's into the other stuff he's doing. Maybe he doesn't want to be a full-time wrestler. Maybe there's a lot that he does that we, again, don't know about, kind of like Avalon. We don't know what they do behind the scenes. 
but I would like to see more Brandon Cutler. I, I care about him more because they've also portrayed him in a manner that on BTE, of course, well, but, that, yeah, that's but, what prompted, I, but they've done it on television. He's part of the Young Bucks. He has an affiliation. Peter Avalon's nobody. That was that was where my question stemmed from. Like, do you think, do you feel you're more invested in him because of not only his talent, but everything else that, that you well, see? Well, I, th- I, th- I think that they've done a good job of portraying him as a person who is involved yeah again like like a family member a connection to the young bucks definitely so that helps you know we know that dr luther has a connection to jericho but there there's nothing that they've done so dr luther just exists he was part of the nightmare collective that didn't work but him and serpentico chaos project is a good enhancement tag team i say an enhancement is they are the ones that should be putting guys over on dark they should be having these big matches maybe some feuds on dark that may kind of get these younger guys up elevated get them some prime time real estate get them a chance to kind of tell some story work on their promo work work on their you know work on their feud work work on what they would be presenting on television and then have them grow gain opportunity to make it to the television roster you could say which I think is what NXT originally did, or does on occasion also. Like you have guys like uh, Fandango and Tyler Breeze who are there for the sole purpose of no one wants to watch them on the main roster, yet they have such a nice, funny character, and they really do work to get these younger talents over. And I think that they do such a nice job in what their role is. I, Of course, I like Tyler Breeze and Fandango. They're funny. But what was their role valuable on television? No. But they kind of found a niche in NXT what they're doing right now. And I, I, I like what they're doing. Keeping in line, though, with uh, storytelling and relationship building, we'll talk now about the QT Marshall angle. So I, I like the acknowledgement, and I think this is better kind of with the Peter Avalon thing, kind of goes hand in hand. They, they're telling you kind of what he does, what his role is, what his responsibilities are. So... QT Marshall works his ass off. You know, Tony Khan came out and said he's the one that puts these shows together. He works sleepless nights. I mean, that storytelling immediately makes him valuable. Mm -hmm. And QT Marshall, like I've said, like Brandon Cutler, is very good in the ring. Yeah. QT Marshall outside the ring, he struggled a little bit with promos. He's just kind of finding his ground where he fits in. But what is this about? What is QT Marshall doing? doing i i think i'm lost here what's the purpose of him fighting with cody he's had enough is that what it is i i i'm 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 just a little lost about this was probably the best qt marshall promo but i'm just maybe a little lost about why why we've come to this because it kind of it kind of felt very abrupt we might have to go back and yeah, i'm gonna have to look through this watch again dark or some of the road twos because there's probably something that was dropped and we we overlooked because the him leaving dustin felt very abrupt that did come out of nowhere it seems and it it was not only that it was it was so abrupt that he eliminated himself from the match so it's I, a I very mean, that, bold move yeah that was kind of like out of nowhere i don't like that at all but where did this come from and what what does the QT thing come from? Cody's given him more than enough opportunity. If you want to talk about that, if you want if you want to take storyline that Cody Cody's taking him and giving him opportunities with him, they did tag teams, Butcher and Blade. Remember, I mean, Cody gave QT Marshall opportunity. Yeah, but maybe it's the fact that look at what he's doing behind the scenes with the with the training and the development, and 
you know, it's the it's the other side of. So is he the heel here? I don't know. I I don't know. I, I I'm gonna have to watch it. I'm gonna have to watch it play out. I don't know. I don't know, but we'll see. It's QT Marshall versus Cody, right? Next week. Yes, with Arn as the referee. It'd be cool if QT kind of goes after Cody's shoulder, like immediately. You should like strategize. That's yeah. his friend, right? That that's a guy he's close to. Just immediately go right after his arm. Just kind of sh- if, if he's gonna be a bad guy, go for the win. Get yeah. the W over Cody. Just immediately take him out. I don't disagree. And what was also announced throughout this this evening was that Cody and Brandy are getting their own reality show. Yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're into that type of thing, it looked pretty good. Didn't look bad. I might check it out. Yeah, I, I, I mean, people may I be like, I can't believe this is happening. It doesn't look bad. No. I used to watch Ms. and Mrs. for a little bit. I'm not a big reality TV show person, but I thought Ms. and Mrs. was very funny. Yeah. Uh, I, This didn't look bad. I watched Total Divas at the very beginning. Then a little Brandy bit. Brandy carries Bellas. herself and presents herself very well. I like I like yeah, Brandy. So I mean the, we'll see. I think I'm I think I'm definitely gonna check it out. Why not? Yeah. yeah. I don't know when it comes on, but it'll be on TNT, I believe. I think so, yeah. It's exciting though. That's that's cool for them. Brings a casual audience eyes onto it. Because I know you know, you talk Wait. about the demographic differences. I, I feel traditionally shows like that those types of home reality shows are a an older demographic. So maybe it may play a role in that because I mean I'm I'm only saying this from experience. I mean my my parents uh you know wrestling whatever, you know my my mother specifically watched wrestling growing up. Her her father, my grandfather watched wrestling, was a big fan of southern wrestling, didn't want to watch the northern wrestling, wanted to watch southern wrestling. Wanted to see Dusty, wanted to see Ric Flair, Four Horsemen, that was his thing. But, you know, my mom was, uh, I guess, familiar with the names, familiar with wrestling during that time. Nobody else in my family was. So to have, like, step-parents, to have, you know, outside kind of non-affiliated wrestling individuals watching Total Bellas, really liking Total Divas, really liking Total Bellas, saying, I can't believe I never watched wrestling before. But I watch Total Bellas. I love these two. I love them. That I was, yeah. We we talked about this. It could be a really unique and exciting way to bring in an outside uh, audience, and right. we'll and, see and, if the ratings know, reflect yeah. that. But yeah, like step parents, uh, your stepmom, my stepmom, checking out reality television. Yeah, wa- watching Total Divas and saying, you know, I never watched wrestling. Don't know who they are, but I really like the show. Like Total Bellas a lot. So yeah. maybe, you know, like, like Ms. and Mrs. I mean, like this one. Maybe yeah. it'll, it'll kind of tie in. Get different eyeballs on the product. We'll see. It's exciting nonetheless, though. I think we'll give it a watch for sure. After after that, though, we had Tay Conti versus Nyla Rose in singles action. And this was one of my favorite matches of the night. Yeah, solid beat. Uh, Nyla Rose is fantastic. We know this. But Tay Conti is, is now, I'm gonna really make, growing. I'm going to make one line. Uh, Tay Conti looks fantastic. She has grown exponentially since starting, since leaving NXT, coming here, and starting here. I mean, just exponential growth. Nyla Rose is fantastic, but I'm going to put one line, and we're not going to talk about it. I'm going to leave it with everybody, fan participation. So Nyla Rose off television for four or five months, completely irrelevant to the women's division scene, comes into the tournament, beats Britt Baker, who's now the star of the entire division, dominates it to get to the finals to lose to Rio Mizunami 
to build up Nyla Rose the Beast and loses clean to Tay Conti on television. The booking of Nyla Rose confuses me. If it confuses you, drop us a line at Dojo and Dynamite. Moving forward with Tay Conti, I, I think her she's a valuable asset. She's growing every extremely, single time. She's extremely, extremely valuable and her ties to the Dark we, Order, we talked about with Baker. Anna Jay being injured right now. Obviously, the women's division's coming together. Yeah. But we talked about Britt Baker being the most improved wrestler throughout the year. Tay Conti has jumped leaps and bounds in a very short period of time. And I think, she's ha- I think she has a confidence in herself. I think she has confidence in the back. I think she's been given an opportunity she wasn't given. She has a good gimmick now. Cause I, I know that she's, she's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She was like trained to be an Olympian. They, they talked about that on commentary. It's a great way to give background. WWE booked her like a Brazilian fighter. She used to wear that little like coat and the belt and everything, and she came out with that gimmick. They didn't give her that gimmick here. They just said, look, this is her experience. She's going to bring that to the ring. She's going to, but she's dressed like a wrestler. She's dressed like a fighter. Mm-hmm. She's not dressed like a gimmick. But she has that background, kind of like Kenny Omega, all those different years. You know, you talk about people who have trained in Muay Thai. You well, talk about Brock Lesnar. It's, it's not a gimmick. You don't have to have a gimmick. Your history. You all, all she does is have a different background that provides her an edge potentially over somebody unfamiliar. Yeah. She doesn't have to live the gimmick. Let her be what makes her comfortable, like Miro. Miro's hilarious. He's facing. Chuck Taylor in like a video game matchup. Yeah, they're having an arcade thing. I'm ready for Miro to move. Miro is just, I love the guy. People say he's wasting away. He says he's wasting away. He says he's ready. It's all storyline purposes. He said he's ready. I hope he challenges Darby Allen. Darby Allen versus Miro for the TNT title. I'm here for it. I'm here for a little Miro run. So we'll see what comes out of it. I I don't disagree, but Tay Conti is just continuing to thrive and, um, I just, it, it's great for the women's division as a whole. And that brings us now to the main event of the evening, which was TNT Championship action Darby Allen versus John Silver as Darby's invitation uh, to the Dark Order begins. So, unfortunately, John Silver got hurt. I'm glad it's only six to eight weeks. Could have been worse. So, I'm glad yeah, he'll be back. Yeah, not as bad as, as it could Match have been. Was great. So that's good. Match was real good. Uh, I love the way they sold John Silver as so much power in a small package. Mm-hmm. I, you know, they talked about how his endurance, his physicality, his strength, his power was going to overplay Darby Allen here. This was good. This was great. I, I, I thought this match was really good. They had a lot of bus, bunch of false finishes. AW likes to protect people, and they do this now. I think we're starting to pick up now on kind of their trends, what they like to do, what they don't like to do. And what they like to do is they like to use roll-ups as a way to protect both. Because mm-hmm. we get finishes, we don't get outside interferences, we don't get, you know, DQs. Nothing so in- screwy. So instead, we're going to be seeing a lot more roll-ups or surprise finishes to protect the other challenger. And I think that's what we got here. Keeps John Silver strong. It was a quick roll-up. It was a code red. He kind of held the trunks a little bit. Maybe he didn't. I don't remember. But Darby Allen comes away victorious. Really good stuff in this match. I mean, again, near falls back and forth. John Silver can go at a really fast pace. Yep. And I thought this match was great. They had a time limit. John Silver is is really something. It's really something. No, he he really is. Um, He's been able to get that confidence and portray whatever it is that he has out on television in front of everybody. And I think Daly's Place is a good place to do that because if you aren't familiar with having 
four or five thousand people in an audience every single week, it could be it could be uh, you know overwhelming sometimes to get that same personality out. So John Silver was able to go into Daly's place and slowly acclimate to the to the growing audience. If he's not familiar with having large scale audiences, large scale television, to get that personality out that he's really been able to portray. So I mean, he's kind of the leader of the Dark Order. Right, as much no. as a natural succession kind of took place, and yeah. I, I think this is this is very good. No, he it's he's very um, like charming and engaging, and he's been able to captivate the audience um, online and I, I think on television also. So this is really great to see. Um, I wonder who Darby's going to face next. Well, I'm kind of hoping that it's Miro. If it's going maybe, through the dark water, I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. Maybe Evil Uno, maybe Stu Grayson. Stu Grayson's terrific. Stu. So, I vote I mean. Stu, but good stuff all in all. But we do have to talk about something, because I wanted to talk about New Japan Cup. We did talk a little bit about New Japan Cup before. I wanted to kind of get into it, right? So, obviously, we won't go full deep into it, It'll because we've already gone here 45 minutes. We had the entire issue with the technical problem, and it's like, i I got to edit this thing now. So, nonetheless, let's surmise the reality that Will Ospreay is the winner of the New Japan Cup. Will Ospreay faces off eye-to-eye with Kota Ibushi and eliminates B. Priestley from his group. Yeah. The stunned, shocked audience at home and in the venue and the commentators. There's obviously reasons why it was done. B. Priestley took it like a champ, sold like a champ. But you're writing her off television for what? Obviously, I believe they reported now a couple of weeks later, a couple of days later, that her New Japan contract's not going to be renewed. She's going to be staying in stardom. She's going to be preparing herself for a championship match. But with B. Priestley eliminated, the group kind of changes dynamic a little bit, the Empire. Does it open the door for somebody more ruthless to enter? Are they opening the door to a new acquisition? Is Will Ospreay going to win the world championship with the help of a new entry? Should Will Ospreay win the world championship? We're getting new belts, right? We're getting a unification of the heavyweight and the intercontinental title, so we're getting a new championship belt, which will be making its appearance coincidentally at the time in which he's facing Will Ospreay, Kota Bushi. So is there going to be, is this belt made for Will Ospreay? Is he the new Jay White? Is he the new Kenny Omega, the leader of the evil club, the evil group? Because Bullet Club isn't as bad as Bullet Club once was. I feel like the Empire now eliminating B. Priestley and the dastardly acts of Will Ospreay has made them the elite bad club of New Japan. Ashley, I know you're Bullet Club for life. Yeah. Bad boys for life, right? I know that this main event doesn't particularly interest you. Of course you like Osprey. Of course you like Ibushi. Talented wrestlers. No, but I, I think I think you're right in that the Empire is continuing to establish themselves as like this bad, dark entity within New Japan. 
See, the Bullet Club was always kind of like, it's cool to be bad. Osprey's Club is kind of like, they're just bad. Yeah. And so, the Bullet Club's cool. Right. So it's kind of like Osprey's establishing himself. No, no, no. We, we're ruthless. We're a little different than everybody else. We're quite unique in our own manner. And that's why I asked, is the door opening potentially for somebody even more ruthless to walk in? I think the door is is definitely open. The the Empire does maybe, not maybe it was seem just show. complete. No, 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 no. But maybe I thought maybe the elimination of B Priestley, who I really liked in the club. I really liked her in the Empire. I really liked her in the faction. I didn't love the angle that they took in terms of him just like assaulting her. Randomly, yeah. Like Randomly. But I, I get you know, it I well, don't it know. Did, it you, didn't you, make it didn't seem to make sense. I know. It just kind of felt like there was no reason for this to happen. I mean, unless we un- unless we missed it, maybe did they clarify why or did she do something that compromised his potential winnings? Because like, I-, I don't feel like anything happened. She's only been an asset. But couldn't you just, like, fucking kick her out? But like you said, it it cements them. It, it was a fucking bad move. Like, yeah, they, 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 they don't care. They don't, they don't care about gender. They don't care who you are. It's about ruthlessness. They'll eliminate Jeff Cobb. They'll eliminate Ocon. I mean, they don't care. They don't care about who it is. It, it, how, I think it's a, it's a connection to show, hey, listen, this is my wife. They're married, right? Um, or dating, what, whatever. They're, this, they're this, is, this is my significant yeah. other who you've known and everybody in the world knows we've been together for quite some time. And I don't give a crap. doesn't matter what her connection or what this person's connection is to me. Nobody is going to compromise my group from establishing themselves as the top premier level group within New Japan and being world champion. So, I mean, I got that part. I I just, I missed if maybe they clarified if she did anything. Like, did she do something that caused him to do that? Because it kind of came out of nowhere. Just just drop an os cutter on her after he's staring down with Kota Ibushi. Like, it just was uh, outside the box. But does this kind of pave the way, controversially, for Will Ospreay to become the world champion? Because, man, you could build a baby face to beat him for the title, and they would be... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it shows that he'll go to any length to find success. It, it, no one... But, is... so, so the big question was, what we wanted to talk about, was is this the right time to potentially already remove the belt from Ibushi and put it on Osprey? Just for the sole purpose of rebuilding a brand new baby face that the fans just just can't get enough of. I mean, they're going to want Will Ospreay to lose badly. More so maybe than anybody ever before. It's a question for you. It's a question for the fans at home. I mean, does New Japan need a really bad world champion? I mean, Evil in the summer was kind of the last bad guy to be world champion. Yeah. But nobody like this... No, or what they're is... trying to portray, what they're trying to create for us. Yeah. Nobody, nobody as bad or as ruthless as he is. Yeah. So I'm. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I. That's just kind of what I wanted to bring up at the conclusion of New Japan Cup. Obviously, I think really highly of Will Ospreay. I mean, congratulations to all the competitors. I mean, we, we were waiting for Shingo Takagi, kind of hoping because I mean, Shingo is so great. Shingo, Shingo is a guy that an AW yeah, I, I think would bummer. be awesome. If they if they brought Shingo Takagi over to AEW to run some feuds, it'd be great. Shingo is the fucking man. I love Shingo. I mean, Shingo's tremendous. 
So I think you can sell him in uh, so many different ways. No doubt. And I I was surprised, I guess, but at the same time, it felt that way. Shingo's always kind of been on the edge. He can't beat Osprey. It's kind of the old Sonata Okada thing. Like Shingo just can't beat Osprey. Type One thing. day I'm on the Shingo train, and we're gonna get there. Shingo Redemption. I'm on the Sonata train. He'll I'm be. Gonna get there. He'll be. He'll be the the baby face. You're gonna repackage Shingo Takagi to be the baby face. <laughs> he's, he's he's gonna be the one to win everybody over and defeat Will Ospreay. Yeah. Well, I think Kota Ibushi's gonna defend. It just kind of feels that way. But I think the match will be terrific. I can't I can't wait. It's exciting. It'll be a great match. Yeah. Will Ospreay versus Kota Ibushi for the World Championship. Juniors who have now made it to the big time makes sense. It has to come eventually, right? Kenny Omega. That's a story in and of itself. But, but with that. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, hope you're doing well, staying safe, and wearing your masks. We are at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter, at Dojo and Dynamite on Instagram, Dojo and Dynamite at gmail.com for any business inquiries. And we will be back later this week, because it's Sunday, with another episode. Thanks, guys. <laughs>